I want to say thank you to the Oakmont family, especially your pastor and my dear friend Dr. Greg Rogers for the invitation to be with you today. It's becoming a pretty comfortable place to be in this pulpit, Greg. Thank you for all the invitations you've given through the years to, uh, for me to come and fill the pulpit in your absence. This may be the first time that you've been here when I preached, which means you must need to hear what I have to say today. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah. I want to say thanks also to Anissa and her team for the fantastic job that they have done in leading this faithful giving emphasis. We had a wonderful time last Sunday evening with church leaders, and I'm delighted to be here with you today. It's already been a rich time of worship uh, in every way, from the music ministry to the Revelation players to the children, every aspect of it. What a great day we've had to be together. I commend you for the theme you have been following, taken from the 20th chapter of Acts, and because I haven't been here in the Sundays preceding up to this, I don't know whether or not you've read any more than that one half of a verse or not. So I decided that I would read to, to you the context in which the passage is found. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the 20th chapter of Acts. I'm going to be looking at the, the paragraph, the section in which this, uh, this verse is found, and we're going to start with verse 25, with verse 25. It's part of a longer section in which Paul is speaking, um, but we're just going to begin at 25. And Paul says, And now I know that none of you, among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom, will ever see my face again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am not responsible for the blood of any of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own Son. I know that after I'm gone... Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Some, even from your own group, will come distorting the truth in order to entice the disciples to follow them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to warn everyone with tears. And now I commend, to you, I commend you to God and to the message of His grace a message that is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothing. You know for yourselves that I worked with my own hands to support myself and my companions. In all of this, I have given you an example that by such work we must support the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, for he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had finished speaking, he knelt down with them all and prayed. There was much weeping among them all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving especially because of what he had said, that they would not see him again. Then they brought him to the ship. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. 
We thank you, God, for giving us your word. Speak to us again through these verses and more so that we might understand what true faithful giving means. In the name of your Son, Jesus, who gave all, we do pray. Amen. I wonder how many of you may be familiar with the television program on WUNC-TV called North Carolina Weekend. It airs on Thursday nights, and every episode profiles people, places, and events all around North Carolina. Not only does it provide an education about our state, but it also gives you some pretty good ideas of things you might do on an upcoming weekend, maybe introducing you to a part of the state you never even thought about visiting before. I know Kim and I watch it without fail every Thursday night, or at least we DVR it and watch it pretty soon thereafter. Well, the March 31st, 2016 episode featured a place called the Red Rocker Inn in Black Mountain. I don't know how many of you may have heard of it. The inn is known for its quaint setting, its large porch filled with red rocking chairs, hence the name, Red Rocker Inn, but also its food, its delicious food. Well, for nine years now, the Bowman family has owned and operated the inn. They acquired it after they spent 24 years in, engaged in Christian camping ministry. Serving others is in the Bowman family DNA. All five members of the family work at the end. There's mom and dad and three kids. Their third child, Kaylee, is the chef. In this particular North Carolina weekend episode, they spend a good deal of time talking about the food and the service, about how Kaylee went off to chef school, worked in fine restaurants, but then ultimately felt the call to come back home and work with her family at the Red Rocker Inn. In describing her work, Kaylee said, I love cooking because that's how I give to others. You know, it's not made explicit in this secular television program, but my hunch is that because Kaylee is from a Christian family, this attitude comes from her faith. For Kaylee, I believe faith compels her to give to God and to give to others. Cooking is how she gives, and she gives faithfully every day of her life because Kaylee Bowman practices faithful giving. Faithful giving, of course, begins with God. God is the first faithful giver. God's faithful giving began with creation and continued with the calling of Abraham, the father of all faithful people. Through Abraham, God would establish a special people through whom all the nations of the world would be blessed. God, through faithful Abraham and the faithful giving of his faithful descendants, would bless the entire world. The pinnacle of God's faithful giving took place when he gave his only begotten son 
that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The faithful giving of God the Father continued with God the Son, as Philippians explains, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient, obedient even to death on a cross. And if that wasn't enough, the Son continued the faithful giving of the Father by giving the Spirit to His disciples, empowering them to continue His mission of faithful giving, which was the fulfillment of God's original charge to Abraham to be a blessing to all the people of the earth. No disciple of Jesus understood the call to faithful giving better than the Apostle Paul. He faithfully gave his life in service to the God who gave him life through Jesus. He faithfully gave his life in proclaiming the message of our faithful God. He faithfully gave his life to plant, organize, teach, and build up churches to be faithful givers. Paul was the most prolific of all the New Testament writers. In his letters to the various churches, he dealt with all kinds of issues, ranging from peddling a false gospel, that is, making anything other than Jesus the basis of salvation and fellowship, to perpetrating injustice, The rich were exploiting the poor, even in the church, and suing one another in courts of law to personality conflicts, all kinds of things happening in those early churches. But one of the topics Paul dealt with over and over, both in his letters and in the book of Acts, which in many ways is the biography of Paul in the early church, one of the subjects that he deals with again and again is the subject of faithful giving. For Paul knew, as Jesus did before him, that there is a very close connection between our faith in Jesus and our giving. A good example is right here in the 20th chapter of Acts. Paul is in the midst of a very stressful, hectic, busy travel period, as he often is. He has set his sights on returning to Jerusalem. He's in Miletus, and he sends for the leaders of the church at nearby Ephesus to come and meet with him. They come, he shares his farewell message, for he knows that imprisonment and persecution await him in Jerusalem. And he knows he'll never see them again. He encourages to remain strong in their faith, to remain faithful to the gospel he proclaimed to him, which is the gospel of grace. Nothing more, nothing less, just grace. And in the midst of this farewell address, he reminds them of a critical expression of the gospel the call to faithful giving. He even quotes a saying of Jesus that is nowhere recorded in any of the four Gospels. It is your theme for this faithful giving emphasis. 
he remembers Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. As he has done before and will do again, Paul reminds all of us followers of Jesus that life with and faith in God is all about grace. It is the grace God gives to us and the grace God calls us to give to others. Now, faithful gifts take many forms. For Kaylee at the Red Rocker Inn, giving looks like cooking. God has given us all different talents and abilities, and all can and should be channels of our faithful giving. But those channels vary from person to person, depending on the gifts you've received. There is a channel of giving, though, that's common to all, and it's the giving of our money. For even when we do give our talents and our time, as our drama folk reminded us, our faithful giving is incomplete until we also learn to give our money. It's a spiritual practice. Jesus knew that. That's why he talked about money and possessions more than any other subject except the kingdom of God. He talked about money and possessions more than he talked about heaven and hell. More than he talked about family or prayer or sex or any of the other subjects we tend to obsess on. Jesus knew that there's a huge connection between our relationship to money and possessions and our relationship to God. And that is why he said, look for where your treasure is, because that's where you'll find your heart. Now the method of giving which Jesus promotes, whether it's in the parable of the talents or the story of the widow who gave her mites or the story of Zacchaeus, or any other number of gospel texts, is to give as we have received. None of us have received the same talents or gifts or financial welfare, but everything we have comes from God. And God expects us to expend an equal amount of wisdom and effort so as to manage what he gives us and then give it back to him accordingly. Paige Kelly taught Old Testament for many years at Southern Seminary and then in the latter years of his life at the Baptist Theological Seminary at Richmond. And he told about a faithful giving experience he had when he was very young. He says, I was living with my parents on a small farm in southern Alabama when I felt the call to ministry. My father was a tenant farmer and we had little to live on. And I realized that if I was going to be a minister, I needed to go to college. But where was I going to find the money? I decided to sell whatever I could and use the money to enroll at Howard College in Birmingham, Alabama. The only problem was that I didn't have much to sell, only a bicycle I used on a paper route and a registered Jersey heifer I had raised from a calf. The sale of both netted me about $80. He went on. My last day at home before I set out for college was a Sunday. As I sat in church that day, I decided that I ought to tithe the money. 
in order to express my gratitude and commitment to God. The treasurer in our little church returned the money to me. He argued that I needed it more than the church needed it, and I should keep it for my college expenses. But I gave it back. Because what he failed to realize was that the money was far more, giving the money was far more important to me than keeping it. Since then, he said, I have given larger gifts, but I have never given one that brought me more lasting joy and satisfaction. It was a small price to pay for such a tremendous blessing. You see, my Oakmont friends, the Christian faith is dynamic, not static. It is based on growth, not decline. If we're not moving forward in Christ, then we'll soon find ourselves losing ground. Theologians call this process of growth in Christ sanctification, and sanctification is accomplished by the Holy Spirit, and sanctification, yes, involves faithful giving. So in a very practical sense, what does faithful giving look like? Well, first of all, faithful giving is planned, never simply an afterthought. Just as carefully as we would plan our mortgage payment or our car payment or many of the other things we spend our money on, our giving should be thoughtful and intentional and planned. One of the goals of this faithful giving emphasis is to assist you in planning your giving as an aid to your spiritual growth. Secondly, faithful giving is regular. It's regular. Just as our bodies need food on a regular basis, so do our souls need spiritual food on a regular basis. And that nourishment comes through prayer and Bible reading and weekly worship to be sure, but, spirit, but the spiritual nourishment we receive through faithful giving is also critical to our spiritual health. Third, faithful giving is an act of worship. It is an expression of our gratitude toward and commitment to the one who gave himself completely to us. So even if we give by bank draft or online bill pay or some other modern methodology, we can and should offer our gifts as an expression of worship and devotion to God. You see, as we grow in our faith, we'll grow in our giving. If we grow in our giving, we will grow in our faith. Giving is one critically important way to be faithful to God. Being faithful to God requires giving. I heard about the pastor of a large, prosperous church who was taking a summer vacation at the beach. The chair of deacons in a small, struggling congregation near his beach vacation place, called him and asked him if he would be willing to be their guest preacher the following Sunday because they didn't have a pastor at the time. And the minister told him that he'd be glad to do that. The next Sunday, the preacher took his young daughter with him to the church, and after the service, the deacon came up to him, and he said, thank you so much for a wonderful sermon. But we're a very small church, and...